You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You know how they got those chocolate footballs that they fill with the chocolate-covered popcorn out there at Peterbrook? They also do the Easter eggs around Easter time. Well, at Christmas time, they have snowmen. They have chocolate, large chocolate snowmen that are filled with that chocolate-covered popcorn. So they got those waiting for you right now at Peterbrook Chocolatier, fifteen thirty. McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Mr. Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute of Sports Talk Radio. What an afternoon and evening for Jacob Harrison. His Steelers wasn't pretty, wasn't pretty, but his Steelers stay undefeated in that Wednesday matinee W over the hated Baltimore Ravens, uh, and then you had a lot of Bama on Bama in that game too, didn't you? And then the nightcapper at Bryant-Denny Stadium last night, Jacob Harrison yesterday, he picked Thompson to win the game. I was sort of like Jacob. I thought, well, look, Thompson's been so dominant. This is just going to be a completion, a coronation perhaps in some ways. Auburn, to its credit, Auburn High School did not allow that to take place. In fact, Auburn in watching a good bit of that game on the old NFHS stream, I thought Auburn was dominant. It was actually the dominant team. Thompson loses its starting quarterback in the first half. Oh, but special teams. Special teams in the final 20 seconds or so of that football game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And Thompson does the unthinkable with 10 points in 18 seconds. What about it, Jacob Harrison? Seen a lot of games, a lot of crazy finishes uh what about that one well not only that uh covering the the basketball game against providence and and alabama playing well on the boards and and shooting well from behind the arc but yeah uh first of all steelers think the ravens played up to them not the other way around so i was kind of okay with that but 
got to stop dropping the football and 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 handle Washington uh and and stop making people think that the Chiefs are going to crush us by 50 uh but for <laughs> but for Thompson uh all the credit in the world I mean everything fall, falls exactly the way they needed it to because uh you know hindsight it is what it is and I'm not criticizing Auburn but you absolutely cannot punt the ball there uh you you got to just kneel it again if that's what you're going to do that or don't get in victory formation before you can if you have an opportunity to run out the clock by getting a first down uh yeah. that, that, that there was no situation in which you could give the ball back to Thompson and then have time enough to score 10 points unless they block the the kick and return it mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. gave them the one bit of opportunity they needed yeah I guess we had punt Bama punt back in the 70s uh we got punt Auburn punt now in uh, 2020, how about that? That's seemingly come full circle, but you hate it for the Auburn kids, man, because you're that close and you can taste it. For so many of those young people, this is the extent of their competitive football careers. And so to have that opportunity dash like it did, and you said it, all the credit in the world to Thompson, because when you're the champ, typically you understand that there are 48 minutes, I guess, in high school football compared to 60 and they all count, and so you cannot let up for a single minute, a single 30-second segment of a football game, and so Thompson gets it done. You're right, though. I mean, if that's your intent to kneel the ball down three times, then you kneel it down on fourth down, too, or run the ball or something, anything other than the punt block right there, and I'm pretty sure Auburn ends up winning the 7A state title. Didn't happen. And if you are going to punt the ball, if you're going to make the mistake of punting the ball, someone on your sideline has to tell the punter, no two-step punts here, no two-step punts. Catch it one step. I don't care if it goes seven yards straight out of bounds. You know, as long as it doesn't go backwards, which is what it did, and that opened the door for what happened next. And Thompson's execution, the onside kick was perfect. Uh, They recover that. They get the opportunity from 35 yards out. I'm not going to tell you that the Thompson kicker, has the form of, say, Jason Vinatieri, you know? I'm not going to go that far. It wasn't exactly uh, what you would see taught at a lot of kicking camps, but it works for that kid. And as much as anything, he obviously wasn't overwhelmed by the moment because he stuck to what he is, what he does, and uh, it kind of looked like a Jamie Christensen kick against Texas Tech in the 2006 Cotton Bowl for the game winner for Alabama. But, hey, it counted. And all the credit in the world to Thompson on just an absolutely miraculous comeback. In fact, you saw Scott Van Pelt, if you were up last night, uh, open Sports Center, the late Sports Center last night. Scott Van Pelt, with the best thing he saw all day, was the finish to Thompson Auburn. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to check in with us today, yeah, I hear you on that, Jacob, about your Steelers catching the football, but... My guy Juju Smith-Schuster caught a touchdown pass, and that's all I needed from him yesterday in fantasy. So I got over the hump. I was four points behind in the old fantasy football league game yesterday, and I had uh, Juju. So all I needed was like five points, and for a while there, I didn't think I was getting five out of Juju. But then he catches the short touchdown pass. He got us over the hump, so we're happy. It's a quick turnaround in fantasy football, isn't it? Because you go from a Wednesday matinee game to turning right around into the start of another season. Got to get on it, folks. And uh, Jacob mentioned it. We're going to get into some Alabama basketball today as well. I actually pulled a bit of a double dip last night. I took the daughters 
Uh, we went and caught some of the Alabama women. I know James Ludeman was there on behalf of the Tide 100.9 staff. Caught some of the Alabama women. Improved to 3-0 and on the season. The Alabama women's basketball team did last night with a win over USC Upstate. Taylor Sutton, a Middle Tennessee transfer, has been approved. Her eligibility for this season. She was the CUSA Newcomer of the Year in 2019. So that's a big addition, and she didn't waste any time last night. I believe it was four threes for Taylor Sutton in the first half. The Alabama women get it done. About simultaneously, you had the Alabama men over in Asheville, North Carolina, taking care of business against the Friars of Providence, 88-71. A really big night on the boards for Alabama. 20-board edge for the Crimson Tide. It had some problems with that, especially against Stanford in the Monday night game, but none of those against Providence last night. Crimson Tide shot it better from beyond the arc in the second half. You know, John Petty once again with double figure, 16 points. I thought Josh Primo off the bench was very good. You know, his plus minus, I tweeted this out last night. And look, it can be deceiving plus minus as a stat in basketball. Plus minus is essentially the differential in the score between the time you take the four and the time you come off and how that's accumulated throughout the game. But it was still impressive. Plus 23, plus minus for for Josh Primo when he was in the basketball game last night in just 24 minutes. 24 minutes is a good bit, though. Five of nine shooting for Josh Primo, three of six from beyond the arc, three rebounds. You know, Herb Jones gives you that hard hat performance, 11 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Turned it over a little bit. I think that's still going to be something interesting to watch as we move throughout the season. Beyond Javon Quinterly, you know, who's going to be on the basketball the most? And I think Herb's doing it as much because they need him to right now. But it could be that Josh Primo in time gathers enough trust from Nate Oates and that coaching staff that uh, he is very much a presence on the basketball as well. But a solid win. You get two out of three. That's what you went to Asheville to accomplish. Not necessarily what you wanted. You want to win the thing. Texas ends up winning the Maui Invitational in Asheville with a buzzer beater, essentially, to beat the North Carolina Tar Heels there in that championship game. Uh, so it's a fifth-place finish for Alabama. And, you know, the Stanford win, uh, the Stanford loss, as far as, you know, NCAA tournament, who knows what that's going to look like. But down the road, what that means, that doesn't hurt you at all. Uh, you needed to beat UNLV. I don't think that's going to be a very good basketball team as we move throughout the season. Maybe they will. Um, you know, Caleb Grill can flat out shoot the rock for the Rebels. We saw that on Tuesday night. Uh, but a solid win over uh, a Big East team in Providence last night. So you come home, you kind of get it back together. You got some time now between the Asheville event and making the trip to Atlanta to take on a solid Clemson club. That'll be a battle over in the ATL on December the 12th. And then you got some home games to close out the month before you move into SEC play. 205-342-9904. That's the number we're going to talk with. We're going to talk some college football with our pal Chris Hummer. We haven't checked in with the professorial one, Chris Hummer, in a while here. So we're going to get on board with Chris coming up in our very next segment. A lot of transfer portal news as it relates to quarterbacks as we move down the stretch here of the 2020 season. You saw Dewan Mathis of Georgia enter the portal. I see this morning where Mackenzie Milton, the UCF quarterback, 
who had that horrific knee leg injury a couple of years ago, he too now has entered the transfer portal. So the transfer portal stay lit. And that's especially the case with some quarterbacks here as some determinations, not even so much about this current season at that position have been made. But when you start projecting beyond 2020 and Dewan Mathis's case at Georgia, obviously uh, JT Daniels is the guy over there in Athens. So uh, it's sensical, sensible in a lot of these cases. Uh, We'll also get into some matchups for Alabama LSU on Saturday night at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. You got some, you got some Alabama players on career mark list watch when you look at Najee Harris and you look at also Devontae Smith. They're closing in on some big numbers, closing in on some all-time numbers. When you talk about career marks and rushing yards, uh, rushing touchdowns, Devontae's already there in receiving touchdowns for both Alabama and the Southeastern Conference, uh, but he's chasing Amari Cooper in those receptions and those receiving yards. So as we talked about with Cecil Hurt yesterday, it isn't ideal for Alabama to play on the 12th uh, with the SEC championship game set for the 19th, especially when you're going on the road again after this week. But as far as helping guys like Smith and Harris get to those numbers, those all-time numbers in rushing and receiving, uh, it could definitely prove beneficial from that perspective. So some matchups for Alabama and LSU. I still think even with Terrace Marshall Jr. out for this game, he's opted out, of course, the LSU standout wide receiver. Still going to be some intrigue there with LSU in terms of just exactly who the Tigers go to. And I think it's going to be sort of a preview of what Alabama is going to need to deal with in the future with Kayshawn Booty, the true freshman. Uh, Number one, you're going to see him. He was very much involved with Alabama as a recruit, like Eric Gilbert, the tight end for LSU. You're going to have John Trey Kirkland, who's actually a senior at LSU, is going to be in that mix now. Jeray Jenkins. It's just... It's it goes beyond just Terrace Marshall Jr. because you you know that Jamar Chase had already opted out before the season, and then you have a serviceable guy like Racy McMath who makes an explosive play against Arkansas a couple Saturdays ago, but in the process he pulls a hamstring, so he's out as well. So you're looking at Butte, uh, Coy Moore, Gilbert. You can flex him out, do some things with him. He's versatile at the tight end position. Uh, so he'll be a part of that as well. You know, as an Alabama secondary, especially at those corners and at that star position, and Malachi Moore playing at a very, very high level. You know, it's a good thing when those three guys are neck and neck in a stat like pass breakups. And that's what they are right now. I think they're all three tied for the team lead in PBUs with six. So uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And the physicality that you have from that group you saw on display against Auburn last week, I think that could be a big difference in the game Saturday night. I think just in terms of coverage skills, Derek Stingley, Eli Ricks, um, Cardell Flott, the nickel corner for LSU, those three guys can match up with Alabama's corners and star defender. As far as just coverage skills, where I see Alabama having the edge – And it's something that Texas A&M really doesn't emphasize in its offense. So when you look at LSU's performance defensively against Texas A&M last week against the pass and Kellen Mond, 
I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because I'm going to tell you, Jimbo doesn't help Kendall Mond either. He, he, does, he doesn't help Kellen Mond. He doesn't help Kellen Mond with the sort of easy or quick throws or the quick game that you see Steve Sarkeesian employ with Mac Jones in this offense at Alabama. You know, those smoke screens, those screening goes, you know, jet sweeps, stuff like that. With Jimbo, and I think people will hear this and they'll say, well, you know, look at the passing numbers. Look at the, the you know, the, the offensive numbers, the balance. Yeah, there's balance. But the way Jimbo goes about it is pretty outdated when you sit down and look at it. And studying LSU for this week, really watched LSU, Texas A&M, and I'd already seen Texas A&M from earlier in the season because of the matchup with Alabama. But, man, if it's third and eight, you know, Jimbo's expecting Kellen Mond to hit like a 15-yard dig route over the middle. You know, he doesn't have things or you know checks that, okay, just flip it out here and we'll get 10 and our wide receivers will block and those type of things. Uh, it doesn't work that way. So I think LSU benefited somewhat last week because of the how A&M goes about its passing game. You know, Alabama with that quick game, that was as devastating to Auburn last week as anything else. I mean, yes, the double move, the slant and go to Devontae uh, with, with, the, with the long touchdown there early in the game. That was in the middle of the field, but there was a lot of stuff on the edges. So if you're intent on taking away the deep middle and, you know, playing two deep safeties and maybe some man coverage underneath it, Alabama will take these quick throws and just chunk you to death with them. 205-342-9904. Also coming up later in the show, you know, place kicking. We saw it again last night, the game winner for Thompson there from 35 yards out. Place kicking, I don't think, has ever been more in vogue than it is right now. You got Sarah Fuller perhaps going to kick again this week for Vanderbilt at Georgia. So with all the talk, with all the place-kicking analysis that we've heard in the last week or so, we decided we'd bring on a real expert on the topic coming up later in the show. Savannah Ryer, three-year varsity starter on the high school level, also participated in several Division I camps, won one down at Troy one Saturday night. Uh, back in 2015, all Saban team member at Alabama's kicking camp in 2015. So we'll talk with Savannah. We'll get her thoughts not only on the impact of what Sarah Fuller is doing, but just kicking in general. Just give us some some uh, give us educate us a little bit on what actually goes into it. We'll do that with Savannah coming up later in the program as well. Coming up next, though, it is Chris Hummer. National college football writer for 247sports.com. We'll check in with Chris when Southern Fried Sports returns right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama junior quarterback Mac Jones was named the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback of the Week for Week 13, becoming the first player to claim the honor twice this season. Jones previously received the accolade in Week 7. On Saturday, Jones led Alabama past Auburn 42-13 by throwing for 302 yards and a career-best five touchdowns. The five touchdown passes tied the Iron Bowl record. Overall, he was 18 for 26 passing and averaged 16.8 yards per completion including four touchdown passes of 20 or more yards. This week, the product of Jacksonville, Florida, also earned SEC Co-Offensive Player of the Week honors. 
I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tonight for Hey Coach and the Nick Saban Show on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Eli Gold hosts starting at 6.30 p.m. Central across the network as he'll be joined by Coach Saban and discuss the latest news on Alabama athletics. If you cannot listen at 6.30, the show will be archived on our Alabama Insider Podcast, available on all podcast platforms. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by SunSouth John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Increasingly cloudy this afternoon. The high today, 56 degrees. For tonight, cloudy. We could see some scattered light rain, especially after midnight, the low 61. And a wet day tomorrow, cloudy with occasional rain during the day. The high at 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon as we inch closer to the makeup date between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the LSU Tigers. We've had a busy first half of the week. We had Alabama men's basketball each of the last three nights. Nate Oates' second team at UA with a two-and-one run in the Smoky Mountains. I guess it's the Blue Ridge, I guess, when you get over into Asheville a little bit there. We're going to head out west right now and check in with Chris Hummer, who does an outstanding job covering college football from the national perspective for us there at 247sports.com. And, Chris, as we bring you on here, this sort of match.com era of scheduling that we've gotten into with college football because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it produces an unlikely union when we talk about BYU now going to Coastal Carolina this Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we schedule these games out what, like 15 years in advance sometimes and uh, a pair of top 15 a pair of top 15 teams can get together on a moment's notice, basically. So it's it's quite interesting to see. I think it's probably more like Tinder, if we're being honest, given uh, that we're in 2020. <laughs> but it's uh, it's quite a matchup either way. Like, uh, I don't really think it helps yes. either team all that much, unless you're trying to get that New Year's Six birth lockdown. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. College game day will be at Coastal. And um, 
it's certainly an exciting matchup on a weekend uh, that sort of lacks some of those marquee games that we'd normally kind of count on. Yeah, I guess since college game day is going to be in Conway, you sort of need to have a football game, right? And so <laughs> uh, it, it definitely helps from that perspective. I see where I guess BYU is an early 11-point road favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, what 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 can this do for – what can this do for BYU? I mean, I, obviously, it's an opportunity. And I mean, the game's on ESPNU. You know, it, it's not even sort of a centerpiece game on, on the ESPN network. So I mean, ultimately, in terms of making an impression uh, beyond what it already has on the college football playoff committee, which has been uh, not significant, apparently, what, what can this do for BYU? Yeah, well, first, I'm very disappointed that, like, I think if Coastal Carolina had said Liberty, Lee Corso would have maybe put on a Chanteliers. Um, mascot head, and I'm still not really sure what that is. So that would have been that would have been informative uh, on my end. But for BYU's perspective, I just I think it provides them a marquee Group of Five victory. It gives them potentially a leg up. I don't know about a leg up, but it's essentially like a quality win to lean on because their Boise State win isn't really being valued by the committee in that way. It makes them a little bit more pre- competitive with Cincinnati, perhaps for a New Year's Six Bowl. But if I was BYU, I certainly would have tried to wait for Oregon to be off a week or wait for USC to be off a week due to cancelizations and schedule those teams because at least those games would have some weight. Or maybe even Cincinnati, which is open uh, these last two weeks as well. But Coastal is a good game. Um, It'll certainly be a marquee win for either program. But um, from BYU's perspective, I don't really think it puts them ahead of Cincinnati in the committee's eyes, even if they dominate. Yeah, you know, they ought to have Kenny Powers for the guest picker, you know, because he played for those Myrtle Beach Merriman back in the day. So I think that's a a natural pick there for the college <laughs> guest picker. Dustin Johnson's um, a Coastal Carolina alum. They should have him out there. Yeah, Dustin would make a lot of sense. Uh, I think Dustin spends most of his time in South Florida these days. But look, it's all virtual anyway, right? And it's not like you're. Yep. You're seeing people on sets. They were here last week. It was pretty interesting because they're typically in the early days of college game day. They would set up more so on the, I think it was the southwest corner of the quad here at UA, and then they sort of transitioned to the Walk of Champions area with college game day last week because of COVID nineteen. They were on top of a parking deck. Uh, just to the east of Sorority Row. It was a pretty cool – it was a pretty cool visual, though. I'll give them that with the stadium right behind them and sort of the campus. Um, you know, obviously without a crowd, that takes away from it. But uh, it was certainly a, a different approach, something that hasn't changed all I, that much. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, I will say about the game day crew, like I did a longer story on how they kind of set up at campuses last year. And at the University of Texas, for example, they've done it on 11 different locations on campus. So they like to they like to get exposure to as many areas as the campus and to show off as many things as possible uh, in their planning. So it's cool that they were at a different location in Alabama in kind of unique circumstances. Yeah, having been on that campus at UT, I could see where you know you could you could have those type of options. And so yeah, it's it's good to see the different areas of places that we haven't been or perhaps we don't get to all that often. Uh, the transfer portal uh, stays lit, as we know. Uh, interesting, I guess, this morning, Mackenzie Milton reportedly has now entered the transfer portal, the UCF quarterback. We talked about it earlier in the show. Had the really, in terms of his athletic career, it, it could be described as catastrophic. I mean, it was an incredibly 
significant injury he sustained a couple of years ago. We saw Dewan Mathis go in. I guess given the quarterback situation at UCF and UGA respectively, not huge surprises altogether. Oh, no, I, I don't think so. I think if he wanted a chance to start, he was going to have to go elsewhere. Um, obviously, Dylan Gabriel, who ironically is from the exact same high school as Mackenzie Milton, he was kind of his successor in high school and ended up under really unfortunate circumstances being a successor in college, just balled out for UCF. And I think if Mackenzie wanted to play and get his chance, he had to go somewhere else. It'll be really interesting to follow kind of his career from this point. I, I know he's made a lot of progress. I'm not entirely sure, sure like how healthy he is how much of himself he's going to be if he gets back on the field. But I have to imagine Nebraska is a really natural landing spot for him. I think Scott Frost already offered to have McKenzie Milton on his future coaching staff as a GA if he wants the job. And Nebraska um, is certainly going to have some quarterback questions coming out of this offseason. Uh, Adrian Martinez has been replaced as a starter uh, by Luke McCaffrey. There's a lot of McCaffrey, so I apologize if I'm getting the wrong one. Um, but Luke is completing less than 50% of his passes. Um, I think there are real questions about him long-term. He's more of an athlete, um, kind of like Christian was. Um, so it'll be really compelling. And McKenzie, if he's going to land anywhere, it's with that staff where he really excelled uh, back in 2018. So I think that'll be a really interesting story to follow. Yeah, and JT Daniels, obviously, uh, didn't have the numbers against South Carolina last Saturday night that he had in his debut uh, the previous week in, in the win over Mississippi State, but no one questions uh, where that situation is headed for at least another year, I would guess, uh, with JT Daniels there uh, in I, Athens. I really I really want JT to ball out and then Kirby to have to deal with the potential of JT going to the NFL. <laughs> I think it's a really small possibility, but it'd be funny. Oh, gosh. And then, of course, I see where Ole Miss quarterback Cade Renfro, a true freshman uh, over in Oxford, has decided to exit stage left as well. So, again, it's always a hot uh, topic when we think about the transfer portal. Uh, and certainly quarterback drives that a lot. Um, but what, let me ask you this, too, as we get ready for Alabama LSU on Saturday night in Baton Rouge. You look at this LSU team and everything it had lost just sort of organically, I guess you could say, in terms of three and outs and just departures in general from that 2019 team. And then you mix in some incredibly important opt-outs before the season even gets underway. And then you have continued attrition to the point of now Terrace Marshall Jr. has opted out in advance of this week's game. When you look at LSU right now, what's the bounce-back ability I guess we'll call it, for this program going into 2021. Forget about where, where they're headed even the next couple of three games. Where do you see LSU even a year from now? And I ask that question more so in relation to the sustainability, the shelf life, I guess, of Ed Orgeron being in place beyond next season. Yeah, it's a great question. Um I think in some ways you're really tempted to think of Ed Orgeron as one of those kind of flash in the pan coaches, those kind of national champions that kind of come out of nowhere and then fizzle out uh, kind of as quickly as it goes. I think Gene Chizik's a really great example of that. Um, but I will say what LSU has that maybe some of those other kind of coaches in the past don't is elite talent. Um, for all the struggles this LSU team has had this season, it's still really young. Um, their best players, for the most part, are um, freshmen or sophomores. Um, Arik Gilbert 
five-star freshman tight end has been really good. Derek Stingley is a sophomore. Eli Ricks, uh, their young freshman corner is a freshman. Um, you could find young kind of really talented contributors all over the roster. And if Miles Brennan, who was actually really good kind of in the time he was healthy, comes back and they can get that offense clicking the way it was kind of early in the season and that defense can be at least competent, I think LSU has a chance to be really good. I, I, I think you might have to do some examining and some soul searching about Bo Pelini, but they have the talent coming in, the number three overall class in the country in 2021, to kind of jumpstart this thing again and really rapid succession. I don't know if they'll be SEC champion good next year, but I think this is certainly an LSU team that has a chance to look a lot more respectable than it has this year for sure. We heard Kirk Herbstreet, among other things... <laughs> On the college football <laughs> yeah. playoff rankings reveal this week, say that he thought Notre Dame was the most complete team in the nation right now. Do you agree with that? I don't. I think Notre Dame has the best offensive line. I think Notre Dame has probably the most clear identity. Like they're going to hit you in the face. They use a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of personnel that's really unusual in college football, but they have questions at receiver. They have questions at cornerback that I, I think really will show up um, come playoff time and against some of the elite teams in the country. I realize that um, defense locked down against North Carolina last week in the second half, a really good North Carolina offense, but it's a little different when Trevor Lawrence is coming at you with the kind of the weapons he has on the outside or Mac Jones and Alabama's juggernaut of an offense is coming at you as well. I still think to that point, Notre Dame has some questions, but Alabama really doesn't. I've been really impressed by Alabama's defense in kind of the second half of the year. And if that unit shows the way it has the last couple of weeks against LSU on Saturday night, I think that's a pretty good indication. Alabama is in a really good position to not only run the table, but be the most complete team come playoff time. Yeah, we, we compare Alabama and LSU so much offensively because of that 2019 LSU offense. But it could be they're similar on the defensive side of the ball as well because my recollection was LSU wasn't exactly lights out on defense until more towards the end of the season. And not that they were dominant, but they were good enough to complement that offense. Is that is that the way you recall LSU last year down the stretch? No, that's 100% right. I remember with like three or four games to go, there were real questions about LSU's defense. I think they were ranked in the 60s and yards allowed per play. Like they were getting um, – if I remember correctly, was it the Vanderbilt game where they gave up a ton of yardage, or was it Ole Miss? Mm-hmm. I think it might have been Ole Miss when Ole Miles Miss. Plumley, John uh, Rice Plumley yeah. ran forever. Yeah. yeah. It was just ran forever. But then that defense locked down. Um, that LSU defense was never elite, but it had really good corners. The pass rush got better uh, late yeah. in the season, and it kind of came together, became a top 30 unit. And Alabama's trending even better than that right now. I think Alabama's up into the top 20 in terms of um, total defense. And you see some young contributors like Malachi Moore, Will Anderson kind of growing every week. And Dylan Moses is getting a little healthier and looks a little bit more like himself. And if that continues to happen, Alabama has the pieces to still be an elite defense. It won't be the Alabama defenses of 2010, 2011, 2012 in that era, but it has a chance to be a really, it has a chance to be a strength, which I'm not even sure you could say about LSU's defense at times last year. Yeah. You know, Texas is so pre saving Alabama right now. I mean, I watched Texas, watched the game against Iowa State last Saturday, and that was how Alabama lost so many games before Nick Saban uh, came in here. And so 
uh, what are we sure Texas and Michigan, let's say, are, are coming open after this season, or there's still some question about either or both of those? I think there's a significant question with Michigan. I I'm still don't think the administration at Michigan is willing to move on from Jim Harbaugh. If that change happens, it's going to be up to Jim Harbaugh, from what I understand. like He might choose to walk away and go to the NFL. But right now, Michigan has a really good 2021 recruiting class. Like Jim Harbaugh is not really giving any indication he's going to quit on that job. Jim Harbaugh, from what like I just understand about him as a person, is not really that type of person to walk away from something like that. So personally, I, I would be surprised if he does and Michigan comes open this year. But crazier things have happened. Texas, I think, is certainly leaning a lot more towards making a change. A lot of it's going to be dependent upon what Urban Meyer has to say. And I know a lot of people at Texas have been making back-channel communication to Urban the last week or so. I still don't have a clear answer as to whether Urban wants to come back. Um, I don't think anybody uh, kind of at Texas has a clear answer right now. But what I what I do know is I think a lot of Texas boosters are willing to make a godfather offer to, godfather kind of offer to Urban to kind of get him out of retirement and come fix Texas. But if he says no, who knows? Like Tom might run the table, go seven and three, and he might live to fight another day. Given that the buyout for Tom Herman and his assistants is going to be around twenty-five million this year, man, that has a Nick Saban in two thousand twelve-ish ring to it, doesn't it? When it comes to uh, the back, oh, there's there's, there's like already that. real estate rumors out here. So <laughs> like, <laughs> there's already message board threads about Shelley coming to visit town, looking at real estate. There was a yeah. there was a gold mine of a thread yesterday on a Texas message board looking at hotel rooms that Urban did his kind of fox hit at and comparing it sure. to a hotel room at a resort around here. It's just, it's great yeah. stuff. I love it. Love it. All right, Chris, we always love hearing from you as well. Always great stuff there at 247sports.com. Can't thank you enough, my man. Have a great weekend. Thanks again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. There you go. It was Chris Hummer, the college football professor, as we've anointed him here on the program. Right there at 247sports.com. Going to take a quick break. We come back. More Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday right after this. Um. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. right here on side 100.9 fm the 72nd birthday today of the one and only there was only one and there'll probably only be one of that guy john michael ozzy osborne born on this day back in 1948 doing a little work for black sabbath back in the day there for you hey rusty's got his uh, home underdogs ready for this week we told you the pool of games he was trying to choose from yesterday well he's come out with his four and he tells me he's even got a bonus pick this week 
But he likes TCU getting two and a half. Yeah, you like you like TCU getting two and a half peanut butter bones uh, at home against Oklahoma State. He likes Auburn in the seven. Rusty said, anytime you want to give him a touchdown or more with Auburn at home, uh, he'll take the Tigers, and so he likes Auburn plus seven on Saturday. He likes Sparty plus the twenty three and a half in East Lansing with Ohio State set to make the trip up there. Tennessee plus 17 and a half with the Gators of Florida headed to Knoxville. And as his bonus pick, he likes Coastal Carolina getting those 11 with BYU suddenly, suddenly headed to Conway. The Grand Strand up there in the Myrtle Beach area. Yeah. Here's your bonus pick from Rusty. We're going to step aside to a break and we come back. We're going to talk kicking. We're going to kick it around with Savannah Ryer right here on side 100.9 FM right after this. Increasingly cloudy this afternoon, the high today 56 degrees. For tonight, cloudy, we could see some scattered light rain, especially after midnight, the low 61. And a wet day tomorrow, cloudy with occasional rain during the day, the high at 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Right here on Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday from 11 a.m. until noon. As we talked about earlier in the show, kicking, man, I don't know if place kicking's ever been a more popular topic in the mainstream media than it has been in the last week or so, as we talked about. You saw it just last night, won a 7A state title right there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Thompson on a 35-yarder at the gun gets it done over Auburn High School. So I figured, look, with the Sarah Fuller situation and with so many folks having so many thoughts and opinions and just outright analysis of kicking, why not bring an expert onto the show? And that's what I'm going to do right now. Her name is Savannah Ryer. Savannah, how are you doing on this Thursday morning? I'm doing pretty good. What about you? <laughs> I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there, you know. So let me run down your credentials so that, you know, there's no mistake that you're qualified to talk about kicking. Three-year starter on the varsity high school level at two different large high schools in two different states. Scored over 120 points as a high school kicker. Uh, all area in at least one of those years. Uh, won the Troy uh, kicking camp uh, long uh, last man standing competition in 2015 was a member of the 2015 All-Saban team at the Alabama Kicking Camp, which included a couple of guys who are on NFL rosters right now. 
So I just want to get those out there. Is there anything else I need to add or correct to that, or am I good with those credentials? I think those will work. <laughs> All right, Savannah. So, you know, so much talk about Sarah Fuller and the Vanderbilt situation and you know, she was asked to basically handle a job for a team that didn't have really any other options. Um, I'm sure that had to hit you a certain way. I'm sure in a lot of ways you were happy, uh, and entirely happy for Sarah Fuller. But was there a side of you, too, that maybe felt like, yeah, I, I should probably be in that spot as well? Um, I definitely was excited for the opportunity just for um, advancement and females in football but um yeah I mean there is a certain feeling that comes with that as well um you know knowing that I was fully capable of being able to do that as well and um you know just I had a great experience at the collegiate level already um and there just wasn't that right timing opportunity for me but obviously I'm super happy for her and um, I think that she shouldn't be questioned as far as her athletic ability. Um, she's playing two Division One sports at the SEC level. Um, so, I mean, obviously super happy and just glad that that opportunity was given to someone. Now, you competed uh, with guys, against guys. Um, did, did, did that motivate you even more? when you were in that sort of arena, when you went to these camps and guys like Eddie Pinheiro were there at Alabama, Tucker McCann was there, ended up at Missouri. He, I believe, is on a practice squad in the in the National Football League. Eddie has kicked in the NFL for the last couple of years after you know a couple of years at Florida. Um, you know, I, I think there's this perception out there that, that females are going to go fetal position or something when put in that in that spot, but did, did you thrive actually on, on those opportunities? I definitely did. I think that, um, just being a competitor and an athlete in general, not, not having anything to do with gender. Um, when you have that competitive mindset in you, uh, it's, it's pretty hard to veer away from that mindset and to just completely forget everything you've known growing up and I definitely uh, did not go into fetal position when competing with those guys I may have sent some of those guys into fetal position <laughs> while competing. I think you did. Um, but I can thoroughly remember a couple experiences where I think it almost was an advantage for me as a female um, competing against these guys because I'm used to the pressure I'm used to everyone watching especially to see um, if I'm not capable of performing. So I never really had any pressure on me at all as far as in those competitions, like some of these guys did that were rated, you know, top kickers in their class um, going against a female and then ending up losing in some cases. Um, so I think I definitely thrived in that situation. And I think that pretty much um, all females, especially like a Sarah Fuller. I mean, I think she's probably the same way. She just unfortunately didn't have as much experience, but the fact that she was able to have a week training and get out there, um, that says a lot about her and her mindset as well. So. Yeah, definitely courageous young lady. And you said it, she went out on a Tuesday, I believe, and then was asked to perform on a Saturday. 
And in watching her, I know you did like I did. I mean, essentially what she did was a soccer kick, right? I mean, that in terms of how she went about it, didn't tee the ball up, had somebody hold it on the ground. I mean, it was all sort of natural to what she's been doing for years, and that's playing soccer. And I think a lot of people think, well, it naturally just translates to exactly the same thing in kicking a football, and they're not entirely the same, are they? Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of different details that go into kicking a soccer ball versus kicking a football, and I think that's where if you don't really know um, much about kicking, you could easily be confused as to how it should translate, but kicking is definitely a skill, um, and it's a talent. It's something that not everybody can do, and so... Um, yeah, it's definitely different. And so to see all these people talking about it um, after Sarah had four days to prepare, you know, that, that's frustrating. But um, I think just her being out there, you know, is a big win in general. So, What have you thought about Will Reichard this year for Alabama? I know you've been able to watch him, and uh, he's had a great year so I far, hasn't he? great. I think that. Alabama finally found um, someone that <laughs> has been through or when he was younger. Um, I think I was a senior in high school the first time I was at a camp with him. But um, I think he's great, and I think he's been through adversity, and he knows how to handle it. And he has obviously been really efficient and just accurate this year, and I hope that he continues to have success because – one, I'm an Alabama fan, and we've needed a good kicker for a long time, a good consistent kicker for a long time. Um, so I'm excited about that. And two, he's a great kid, and I am happy to watch him succeed at this level. So I think it's awesome. Well, there you go. There's some actual kicking expert analysis from someone who's been there and done it and done it at a very high level and exceedingly well in Savannah Ryer. Thank you, Savannah. There she goes, Savannah Ryer, kicking analyst. She can also talk hoops, too. We may have to get her on to break down some Alabama men's and women's hoops for us as we move throughout the season. In fact, I hear that she may be an assistant high school boys coach. Boys coach? Wow. Might have to get a permit to do that, from what I understand. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder thanking you once again. The lunch whistle on this Thursday is Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Frank and the crew, they're going to take great care of you there. Uh, Thursdays, you're going to have $6 pepperonis and $5 cocktails starting at 6 o'clock. You're not going to beat that. We'll get you ready for a big football weekend there at Eat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, at Government Plaza. Thanks to Jacob Harrison. And until 11 a.m. on Friday, have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.